As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So today I had the pleasure of speaking with Danielle Tate, who is the CEO of Miss Now Misses and also the author of a new book, Elegant Entrepreneur, which is really focused on giving advice to women entrepreneurs on how to be successful. But I have to say a lot of this information is pretty universal. Her big concern is that you don't just start up but you scale up. And there's a huge difference between getting started and scaling. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to get right into it. Again, we don't have a sponsor today. So you are lucky you get this conversation with no interruptions. All I ask is if you haven't subscribed, please do so now. And if you can, which I know you can, just take a second and leave us a quick review. It's your way of helping out the show. All right, now let's get into it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we 
explore startups, from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Uh, I'd love to hear how you got into um, entrepreneurship and how you got started. So I am an accidental entrepreneur. Ever a problem solver, I ran into a personal problem and in finding a solution for it, it turned into a business. So I got married several years ago and went to change my name on my driver's license. And long story short, three trips later, I finally got one piece of identification in my new married name. And <laughs> my frustration around the red tape and bureaucracy and just insanity of this process sparked the idea for an online name change service for brides. And so, and this strikes me as, I mean, it's a, a once in a lifetime, well, maybe multiple times in a lifetime sometimes, but that, that this happens, um, how do you can, how do you kind of grow a business, um, where there's not a lot of recurring customers? We do. That is a, a flaw. We have very few recurring customers. We might catch them on the back end on Get Your Name Back, but I, I don't hope for that. Okay, um, <laughs> fortunately, it's a very large market. 2.3 million women get married in the United States each year, mm. and 88% of them change their name. So through um, a great deal of marketing efforts and brand recognition, we continue to increase our, our percentage of that pie. Um, we also had a paradigm shift recently where we realized it's not just the brides that are our market, it's the hundred wedding guests and the bridal shower attendees looking for a gift that could be a market as well. So uh, we rolled out Miss Now Misses gift cards in Rite Aid and Target stores internationally. Nice. So they actually can pay for the name change. Yes, and it yeah, was a big awesome. moment where you took yeah. a piece of wedding technology and made a physical product that was available for purchase in big box retail. So right. it was and a I've never would have think to do that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also wrote a book, um, Elegant Entrepreneur, um, geared at at women's um, at women founders. How how did this come about? What inspired you to write this? Elegant Entrepreneur is very much a passion project. It is the book I wish was available when I started Miss Now Misses many years ago. It's a book that speaks to entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs with an idea but without a business background and lays out the steps from idea to exit, tools to use during those steps, and how it feels to be living in that particular step. And the goal is to demystify the process of entrepreneurship as well as the feelings and the lifestyle to get more women to start up and scale up. So why focused on women? What, what's different about, um, about women that you wanted to, to, to kind of write for them in particular? Um, as a as a female accidental female founder in tech, it was a little lonely when I started, and I've read many many books that were very beneficial. But as a woman, I really wanted to know: well, how does it feel? Am I normal? Is this right? And so. Um, picking an audience that I personally connected with that I am a part of was important to me and writing a book that really was a guide and almost like a conversation with a friend to help you understand, do you have a good idea? Is it worthy of any more time or research? And just continuing that discussion in a very warm manner to make entrepreneurship approachable and to lower any 
emotional or limitations that, that a woman may have may have before she starts up. What were some of the kind of interesting facts that you found as you were putting this book together about uh, women entrepreneurs? So I did a lot of research. The book is a third research, um, a third my personal journey, and then a third interviews from 28 prominent female founders like Barbara Corcoran of Shark Tank and Jenny Fleiss of Rent the Runway. But some of the interesting statistics to me are that almost a third of businesses in the United States are owned by female founders, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, what isn't so good is that only 10% of those businesses have a single employee. Wow. So that means 90% of the rest of businesses are just a solopreneur. And another startling statistic was that 70% of women-owned businesses make less than $25,000 in annual revenue. And I don't care where you live, that, that does not equate with a, a happy, successful life or business to me. And that was a concern. So what do you see in those solo, um, you know, those solo ventures that, you know, is, is kind of keeping them from scaling? So to generalize, which is always dangerous. Sure, um, sure. No, I understand. <laughs> um, it seems that um, many women don't... V- select business ideas or business plans that have the ability to scale. They feel like if they pick a small project or a small niche that they have more control and it's not as scary. But in reality, it's so much more work if you have to be every component of the business to make it function on a daily basis. That's not success. It's almost slavery to your business at that point. So getting women to vet their ideas and build a a team and feel confident in hiring and confident in the scalability and growth of their business and the sustainability through changing markets is very much a goal of mine. Is it it the idea that's often the issue or is it the way that it's approached? I would say both. Um, Sometimes the ideas are too small. it can be very intimidating to talk about a business idea, especially if you don't have a business background. So not collecting um, enough feedback from people in the industry you're looking to enter. And um, sometimes it's very easy to get personally attached to an idea and weave yourself and your dreams into it to the point where it's difficult to look at it critically. I think those are, those are flaws. And then, um, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but a, a, f- a very female-centric mistake is hiring friends and family as initial employees. And I have personally made that mistake. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's, it's a really, it, it can end companies and it definitely ends friendships. So um, there are a lot of pitfalls that can be talked about and avoided. And so I think Education is is a great way to to move the needle on revenue and on scalability and on more women entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. So, what does the title "elegant entrepreneur" mean? Why why was why did you pick that? So it's elegant in the definition of a simple and ingenious solution to a problem. Okay. And the problem is there aren't enough female founders and there aren't enough successful female founders, in my opinion. And so by providing a guide and these, it's 12 chapters and then these elegant insights to help you span those steps of building a business more elegantly, more simply, um, without so much clawing and stumbling the way I did, was very much the goal of the book. And I also like alliteration, so Elegant Entrepreneur worked for me. <laughs> and I, you self-published this as well? Um, I 
I did. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I had a, a publishing offer and you never turn down publishing right. offers. And <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and in talking with, with the publisher, it, it was, you know, oh, it'll be out in a year and a half to two years and we have final say over the product and all edits and this book needed to happen two years ago and mm. I wanted it out immediately. The world is very entrepreneur curious. Shows like Shark Tank, shows like uh, The Profit, Make Me a Millionaire, Investor, those, or I'm sorry, Inventor. The world's curious, and now is the time to shine a spotlight on how to become um, a female founder and and to to grow that that curiosity into um, economic stability for our country. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. What was the challenge in in self-publishing um, that, that you saw? I mean, there, there's a ton, but I, I'm curious if there was anything that was unexpected when you sought out to self-publish it. Um. I would say one of the challenges that was expected, but still more than I anticipated was, you know, being the CEO of a company, writing a book and then throwing, learning the publishing world on top of it was uh, (laughs) um, aggressive. Uh, But that is something that I typically am. Um, Guy Kawasaki wrote a great book called Ape, Author, Publisher, Entrepreneur. I found it very helpful. Um, I lucked into an amazing editor and an amazing layout designer. I think typically those are very difficult to Mm. find high, high quality um, when you first start out. So those were two things that ended up being a little bit easier. Indexing turned out to be a nightmare. I received... 80 page index on Thanksgiving day, the indexing software indexed every single word in the book, including of. Wow. (laughs) And with my deadline, I had to filter it down. It was important for me to have an index so you could find what you were looking for and refer back. And so trying to 
tackle that with a highlighter with, you know, 14 people in my house was definitely a moment that I had not anticipated, but it all, it all worked out. How did you get people like uh, Barbara Cochran to um, contribute to the book? She's an outlier. Um, that poor lady, I stalked her on Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, I, I read both of her books. And I identified with her and I loved her story of coming from a family of 10 and starting as a waitress and building the Corcoran Group. Just a very powerful story. And I wanted, she specifically has a lot of emotions around exiting the Corcoran Group. And that's where I wanted to interview her about how does it feel to exit and... And what do you advise female founders to to prepare themselves for? And so I eventually, through LinkedIn messaging, got a hold of her um, main business manager. And he, Christmas cookies and a few emails later, he uh, finally got her ear. And um, that's how that came to be. The rest of the interviews um, were very organic. I had meant to have three interviews and it sprawled past 25 because very much dispelling the mean girls in business myth. Every time I spoke to a prominent founder, they would say, have you talked to this person or to this woman? And I wouldn't have. And they did introductions, personal introductions, and made the book so much better by adding so many levels of experience and um, success to just be shared with, with readers. That's yeah. And that's, that's awesome to have that kind of name plus, you know, people that have inspired you um, and have come along the way uh, to give their opinions. I'm curious, um, you know, startups are risky and, and a lot of them fail, like 90, 95% fail. Um, but why do you feel like that's a good education? Why, why would you push people into startups rather than a more stable corporate job? Um, so in speaking about the, the insights spanning these different chapters within the book, Elegant Insight 11 is my personal favorite. And it's lean in for your startup to stand upright for yourself. Mm. And so um, I apply uh, Sheryl Sandberg's tenets from her book, Lean In, to entrepreneurship. Because I truly believe that women should lean in. They should not limit themselves because they plan to do something in the future. They should sit at the table. But they should lean in and work hard and put in the extra hours for their own businesses so they can reap the benefit of when they do decide to travel or take care of a loved one or get married and have a family. They have the ability to define what they call success. And if they have built the company, there's no ceiling and they can do what they want with it, hire more amazing women within it and backfill anything that they don't want to do anymore. And so I really do think that entrepreneurship is the ultimate vehicle for success, um, especially as a woman. And and how do how do you suggest um, you know with this roller coaster? There's there's so many ups and downs. Um, do you have any advice for balancing emotions when you're you know you're in that decision making phase or you know have those critical moments in a business? 
Absolutely. Um, I think emotions run very high in the world of entrepreneurship. <laughs> so yeah. many things <laughs> happen so fast and decisions made have such big implications sometimes. Um, I'm a big fan of prior planning. So in understanding what could possibly happen, oh, there's always something that you've never planned for that happens. But in anticipating decisions before they happen and roadblocks before they happen, you can mentally prepare yourself and know that emotions are coming. I give myself a two-minute window. I like okay. I literally set my iPhone for two minutes and just do the rant, the rave, the cry, whatever <laughs> it is about whatever the situation is. And then I turn the page and go from emotional to logical and say, okay, this is the situation. I've done the emotional part. How can I channel all of that intensity into creating a solution or making the right decision? Mm, okay. Okay. So you, you allow yourself to release and then try to make a logical decision. Um, yes. Don't what, bottle it up. It'll, it'll come back to get you. <laughs> right. But also don't make the decision while you're in that modality. So try to give yourself time, but not too much time and then move forward. What, um, what are some special challenges for women that you see um, in the entrepreneurship and also just kind of in the startup world in general? So I think one of the things that make women amazing entrepreneurs um, is this innate quality of looking before we leap. Um, We are more detail-oriented than our male counterparts and less likely to jump into a partnership or throw a product in the market that isn't even remotely ready. And so while that's a great asset once you've become an entrepreneur, I do believe it's hindering women with ideas from actually starting up. So I think that that look before you leap is great, but on the other side can can also be a hindrance. And then it's it's something that everyone talks about or doesn't want to talk about, having a family and balancing a family on yeah. top of a startup. Um, I consider my son my favorite startup. Um, he's, he's just amazing and interesting and, you know, the time and the emotion and the energy that goes into him is very similar to a startup. Um, but I think being an entrepreneur allows me to structure my life and my day in such a way that I can be good at both. And you founded um, the publishing company with your husband, right? Correct. 1011 Press. Yes. So how, how has that, or, or, you know, what's that experience been like, um, you know, living and in, in your work, so to speak? He is a saint and also a serial entrepreneur. So okay. that has been, so that's always very helpful. And we've had other businesses together in the past and still currently. So the great thing about us is um, while we're both very driven human beings and very intelligent, the things that he enjoys and is good at are things that I'm very happy to have him do and vice versa. We collaborate very well on projects. We do a great job setting goals. And then we go to our respective offices and do them. Mm. Um, So we aren't micromanaging each other, which is where I think a lot of couples who work together get into trouble. We have a lot of, in fact, my co-founders on the show are a married couple um, and they run their own business. I'm curious if you have any other advice for people in a similar situation. 
I um, like to attempt balance with um, color coding in my in my Google Calendar, and so there's blue for Miss No Misses, there's red for Elegant Entrepreneur, there's orange for Family and okay. one on one time with my husband. And so with a quick visual check of the month, I can be like, Hey, I'm low on family time, or I'm way too much um, into book promotion, and it gives me the um, visual cues to help balance it all out. So I would very much recommend scheduling in your calendar or however you keep track time for your family, time for your friends, time for you by yourself. It may not be a lot of time, but you should try to achieve some of it in your calendar. And, and do you have any advice for, I I guess, like that's the hardest part, but is that balance when, you know, I guess it goes back to emotions, but you know, you're launching a book, you're, you have a new publishing company and there's never enough that you can do. How do you step back and say, well, it's okay if, you know, if I go on a date tonight instead of, of, you know, writing, you know, more PR or something like that? As a perfectionist, that's very difficult, yeah. but <laughs> what I have found works is broadening my definition of success. So, yes, I need to be you know, a successful author and publisher, and I need to be a successful CEO. I also need to be a successful mom, and I need to be a successful wife. And so, understanding that I need to be good at all of those and I can't do them all at the same time allows me to give percentages. And I try to do top top priorities, like what's going to move the needle the most in each of those boxes. Mm. Um, and then I feel that I've done my best. Not my best in each individual bucket, but my best overall. Interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Where can we, Where can we find the book and where do we keep up with you? Elegant Entrepreneur, The Female Founder's Guide to Starting and Growing Your First Company is available as a paperback and Kindle download on Amazon. You can check out the website at elegantentrepreneur.co. The best way to keep up with me is on Twitter. I'm at elegant underscore E-N-T-R-E. And if you're changing your name, missnowmisses.com is the easy online solution. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Keep in mind, we are getting into data. Starting on Wednesday, we have an awesome episode for you. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. We're going to be talking about how the Cavs manage their data across multiple properties, multiple teams, and inside of their arena, as well as taking a look at how one startup scaled by implementing some very simple data tracking and and analysis uh, within their organization. So definitely subscribe to that. If you want and you're on Twitter, follow us, RocketShipFM. You can follow me, Michael Saka, and you can follow Joelle at Joelle Goldman. All right, we'll see you right back here on Wednesday.